From Coast to Coast to Coast, you're listening to Terranforma. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Andy Silva and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news. I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that Terranforma is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, a campus and community recording studio located in Edmonton, Alberta. We're situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. While you're listening to this week's episode, consider your connection to this land, the connections of those that came before you, and the connections of those that will come after. This week, we're bringing you a recap of the fourth annual Cadbury Symposium about the future of Alberta's electricity system. We will also listen to interviews with Benjamin Thibault from Solar Alberta and Dr. Andrew Leach, a professor from the U of A. On Wednesday, November 6th, fellow Terranformers Sean Howe and I had the opportunity to attend the symposium and check out firsthand how decisions regarding the future of our electricity systems could affect us. The day was packed with very interesting conversations about the future of electricity here in the province, and we got to hear from many different perspectives on the subject. The morning started with Honorable Senator Paula Simons addressing the crowd with a speech that was very fitting for a current political climate. She asked everyone in the room to resist the urge to weaponize anger. She encouraged Albertans to stop thinking of ourselves as victims. We are not quitters, she said. When it comes to energy and electricity specifically, she pointed out that there are a lot of internal conflicts between provinces and energy is still a topic that the general population lacks scientific understanding of. Because of that, faulty science thrives and scares people. It prevents the population from thinking outside of the box and being open to new ideas. To quote Simons, we are not going to solve climate change by turning off the lights. We need to come together as a country. Also present was Honorable Sonia Savage, the current Minister of Energy. She talked about the UCP's change from an energy-only to a capacity system. According to her, that would facilitate investment in energy and create a competitive environment where renewable energy could compete on its own merit. She said the current UCP government plans on cutting the red tape and allowing the market and private industry to do their job without direct intervention. Throughout the day, different stakeholders got together to discuss strategies regarding energy and how the province could navigate tumultuous environmental, political, and social times. The symposium offered great information, but a lot of it was quite technical, and I was left with even more questions. And to address some of those questions, I sat down with Benjamin Thibault from Solar Alberta. Here's a bit of our chat. My name is Benjamin Thibault, and I'm the executive director of Solar Alberta. One of the questions that I had, and sort of like the overarching question for for now is, how would you explain the difference between energy only and capacity markets to a layperson? So that's a good question, um, and it's fairly complicated. So understandable to you know to ask it as a question to try and figure it out. So the way to take a step back um, and think about the basics of electricity just for a second, I think that provides a good foundation for jumping into the difference between the markets. So when we think of uh, electricity from a user point of view or a consumer's point of view, we tend to think of, of two main things that we want out of our electricity system. We want the power to turn on when we want it to at any given moment. That's capacity. So that we talk about in kilowatts or megawatts. And that's the capacity that we need to be available in that moment to turn stuff on and have it work. 
And then we also think of the fact that we need to be able to use as much of that as we need to use over the course of say a month. So over the course of that month, we would need to use the average household would use around 600 kilowatt hours. So that's kilowatt hours over the course of the month. That's the difference between capacity needed in this moment and energy, which is you need it over the course of, of a certain period of time. And so as consumers, we, we do think we don't call it capacity and energy, but those are the two values that we take out of our grid. From the generator standpoint, the people producing the power, they can also think of what they're providing, which is being a uh, existing and having your facility built and being a generator allows you to make megawatts and have megawatts available to the grid at a particular moment so that the system operator in the province, which is called the ASO, the Alberta Electric System Operator, can make sure that they're matching the amount of megawatts that they, that they need from all of the load, all of the users on the system, the consumers, they can match that with the generator so that they're matching the amount of megawatt used to the amount produced at any given moment. And that's, again, that's capacity that's provided into the system versus megawatt hours, which is the total amount of energy that you're putting into the system. So those are, capacity and energy are concepts that underlie our electricity systems. Now, when a generator is about to, to build a new power plant, what they're looking at is two very large, you know, segments of their costs. There's their construction costs, building that, that unit, that system, and that's their upfront financing and capital costs, right? That's what gets them the ability to make megawatts, to, to produce capacity. And then on the other side, once they're built, how much is their cost for actually operating it, their fuel inputs, how much is the natural gas to, to produce it, how much is the operations and maintenance on like a wind farm or, or a solar farm or, or what have you. And that's, that's the, the operation maintenance costs look more like the energy inputs that you need for, the, for that cost. So under an energy only market, the only way that you can make the money that to recover both of those costs is by producing energy. So you've built your gas plant, you've put a whole bunch of money into that, or your wind farm, or your solar farm, or, or whatever the case may be. You've put a whole bunch of upfront money into that, and then you try to make your money back by producing energy, megawatt hours, into the system. Uh, and that's the, that's the only way that you can you can make that money back. It's It has some risk involved in it, because you don't know what the prices are going to be over the, the long-term life of your generator. But you know, that's, that's the only way to make that, that money back. In a capacity market system, you still have the energy market where on an hourly basis, there's, you're still setting the energy price. And if you're producing in that hour, you get paid for it. And if you're not, you don't get paid for it, for it at all. But you also have a capacity payment where you're bidding in in advance to a market a couple of years in advance to say, we will provide the megawatts. We will be available and ready to produce if you need us at any moment um, for X amount of dollars per megawatt. And so uh, that's the only difference. When it, with a capacity market, you still have the energy market, but you add on this capacity element to make sure that people are available. And so those are the two key differences. The energy only market is more oriented towards the actual delivery of the energy and only the, you know, the only revenue that you make is for the energy that you're actually producing. Um, and that's how you have to make both your capital costs back and your fuel costs. Whereas with a capacity market, you could make some of your capital back by bidding capacity into the system and being paid just for being available. And again, that, that those concepts match up with what consumers need and also what the costs of uh, generation are, which are split between your upfront 
financing and capital costs versus your ongoing operations and maintenance costs. So those are the, the basics. It's it's complicated area, but that's the basics to, to how it works. Yeah. So Alberta's had an energy-only market since deregulation happened, uh, kind of at the turn, turn of the millennium. Right around there is when the, the inputs were put in to deregulate from our previous system, which was a regulated cost of service model, a completely different concept that is now you know, basically obsolete for generation in the province. So we've had it for now going on just about 20 years. And in 2016, the government of Alberta announced that they would add the capacity market feature to the system in order to uh, ensure that the system operator could make, sh make certain that there was going to be enough capacity available to keep the lights on and give more certainty to that, rather than have it left to the market to try and make sure that the amount of generation that's needed is going to be built and available through, through the energy-only market. And then recently, I guess it probably would have been September of this year, the new government of Alberta announced that they were canceling the capacity market, so we will be continuing with an energy-only market. So the full implementation of the capacity market never actually happened. We never ended up with a capacity market in the province. We just had it announced that that was going to take place, and then the next government announced that it would be canceled, so we're back to just having an energy-only market. So what are some of the consequences of that decision? Yeah, so I think there's there's a number. For, for the system operator, it means that they will have sort of less control and less line of sight of making sure that the amount of capacity that needs to be available to keep the lights on will, will be available. So they'll be looking at, I think, other alternative options for trying to give that certainty. Because back in 2013 and 2014, they had raised the, the risk or they, they identified the risk that we might not secure the level of investment into the province for generation that is necessary to keep our lights on going forward mainly because they found that the financial sector is not interested in giving financing to companies to build new generation in energy-only markets anymore. So they, they identified this risk and thought, if we're going to keep the lights on going forward, which is kind of our driving principle, our, our main objective, we need, we need a change in order to do that. And so now that that change has been cancelled, they'll be looking at what are the other options available for making sure, giving them more certainty that they're going to be able to keep the, the lights on? Um, that's one impact. Another impact is the capacity market was going to introduce more stability to electricity prices. So our energy-only market system has been very volatile. Prices can go down to, call it, two cents per kilowatt hour on average o over a month or even less, we've seen that in recent years, to well over 15 cents per kilowatt hour, which we've also seen in previous years. And that, so that, you know, that's a, that's right there is a seven and a half fold difference, which is a very, very volatile commodity market. Um, the capacity market would have introduced some stability to that and kept prices more level. Um, going back to the energy only market means that we are definitely going to see that volatility arise again. But that, so that's, that's an impact to consumers, an impact to kind of the certainty that industry can have around what are their energy input costs going to be. Um, but another corollary on that, and sort of the third point that I would make, is that that volatility actually works relatively well for renewables. So solar energy in particular produces during a time when market prices happen to be quite high in the market. 
And so a return to the energy only market means that those hours where prices are, are relatively high are going to be very, very high. They're going to be much higher than they would have been if we had kept with the capacity market. So solar energy stands to make some pretty good revenue out of this system. It means that there will be more payments paid through the energy only market than there would have been had we gone to a capacity market. So a number of generators stand to make substantially more money under uh, an energy only market. And that would likely include um, solar producers and could also include wind producers as well. So um, that may kind of bolster the investment incentive for additional renewables on our grid. Now switching gears a little bit, what are some of the challenges that here in the province that renewables face? Yeah, so we have a whole history in Alberta of renewables running up against a barrier that is pretty integral to our um, energy only market. And that is that renewables rely on upfront capital investment to get built. And then their input costs after that are pretty minimal. There's no fuel costs, the sun's free, the wind's free. There's just some ongoing operations and maintenance costs, but your main costs are upfront capital costs. And when you invest those millions upon millions of dollars in, in new solar or wind generators, you're relying on recovering those costs from an energy market that is volatile, uncertain, and very unpredictable over the life of the, the projects. So that meant that projects weren't getting financed, um, and it was very difficult for, for those projects to ever get financed. Between 2016 and 20, uh, early, early this year, 2019, the government introduced a few different programs that were meant to give revenue stability to those types of projects that drove down their financing costs and made financing available to them. So then a whole bunch of wind projects got announced and solar projects got announced under these programs, which is really great. There's these mega um, solar projects that are uh, on, on the slate of uh, being constructed over the next couple of years in Alberta, as well as wind projects, more wind projects coming which is really cool. And what they did is they bid in at extremely low prices, which was really cool to see just how inexpensive wind and solar has become and competitive against the rest of the market. Now those programs are gone. There's not going to be any more what we called renewable electricity programs or reps in our system. And that's unfortunate in the sense that nobody can get that that kind of government-backed revenue certainty. Um, it wasn't going to cost the government very much because the prices were so low. If anything, uh, it wasn't going to cost, uh, you know, possibly nothing at all to the government, but it was giving the revenue certainty to make the projects happen. But now, because those programs demonstrated that really low cost, now private industry in the province is like looking at those and saying, we should get in on that deal. We should secure that really low cost of energy over the next 10 or 20 years. It'll provide us with a few things. It'll provide us with emissions offsets, which we need um, and are valuable. It'll provide us potentially with a hedge against future electricity prices, which could go up dramatically over the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. So that'll lock us into a lower cost from, from these resources. And so all of a sudden there's a bunch more attention from major corporations to enter the same type of contracts that the government was doing and is offering some opportunity for solar and wind to continue to be to get their investment. So that's that's a, I think a really hopeful sign that those barriers are have been deconstructed first by demonstrating um, with the government programs that the costs were going to be so low uh, and then now um, industry jumping in and, and kind of taking over the mantle from government now that government's uh, stepping out of the way in that regard. But 
you know, we still need to see more of these happen. A couple have been announced. That's really exciting. And hopefully that'll mean more will, will, will still to come. And then frankly, if that's the case, the barriers are largely dismantled and utility scale renewable projects are going to continue just sort of a pace like inexorably. They're just going to happen in this province and there's no stopping them because they're so low cost and they're so competitive against other sources. They've really become our, our cheapest option for producing electricity in the province. Um, still a couple of things that are left to come that need to be addressed. There's you know, not a lot of opportunity without programming available that have, has been cancelled by the government for um, small businesses and actual people in Alberta to own their own solar system. So we need to resolve that barrier because that'll remain unless that's resolved. Uh, and then in addition to that, I think that there's potential that we will need to see storage come along in the province and that may need some policy change in order to make sure that our system accommodates storage in a fair way because um, right now uh, it's not immediately needed but as we get more in solar and wind on the system it'll be very beneficial to have storage come along uh, in our grid yeah you mentioned government and the role of government and i'm very curious to know your your opinions on what the current minister of energy said that uh, she stated that the province will remove the red tape and let market dictate how energy is going to be uh, functioning here in the province what are your thoughts on that it's not entirely clear what exactly she means with those comments the it, it could be that there are opportunities to make bring greater regulatory clarity to our system um, you know the cancellation of the capacity market maybe uh, simplifies um, the process for electricity generators to some extent it also arguably gives them less certainty around potential revenue for recovering their capital so that really cuts both directions. So it's not entirely clear um, what red tape reduction uh, is, is likely to happen. If you look at regulatory requirements, like what happens through environment and parks and through the AUC for ensuring that new projects are, you know, environmentally sound and have the right construction conditions to make sure that they mitigate their impact on wildlife and stuff like that. I don't see a lot of opportunity for improving that. It's really important that new projects of any kind, whether it's natural gas plants, solar or wind, are done in the best way possible and have the least impact on the landscape and on, on wildlife. And so I think it would be, it would be actually uh, a downer for the industry long term to have those removed. You may end up with bad actors that would be putting in generators that are more impactful than they need to be. And then that's a mark of negativity on the entire industry then. So it's not entirely clear what she means by that. And I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of opportunity to sort of reduce the regulatory burden on new facilities. Um, but, you know, perhaps we'll see as, as uh, time goes forward on what, what exactly they mean by that. So we're seeing now a rise in um, electric vehicles. People are talking a lot more about sustainability and just uh, renewable energy sources. And I would like to uh, know from your perspective how this this interest and how these new new actors really could potentially change the market that uh, the minister talked about. Yeah, it's a really exciting moment um, for the sector. It's very clear that renewable energy um, and as well as uh, energy efficiency technologies and electrification like electric cars is just, you know, going to, to grow in leaps and bounds over coming years. We've recently seen solar rise from in early 2015, there was 5.5 megawatts of solar installed in the province. 
And in four and a half years, that's increased to 55 megawatts. So it's jumped by tenfold in only four and a half years. We now have some very large solar power facilities that are going to be built over the next year or two years in the province that'll take that tenfold increase to potentially a hundredfold increase. So that is a remarkable advancement for a sector that I don't think has gotten a whole lot of attention. So we will continue to see particularly at the utility scale, renewable energy will will grow dramatically. And as we bring in more electrification of transportation, that increases the demand on our electricity system. Um, It also means that, you know, vehicles happen to, to, electric vehicles happen to be really good batteries. So they they offer the opportunity to to kind of deal with types of electricity that comes from renewable energy really well. So those are technologies that pair fantastically and um, you know are only going to mean that working together they're going to grow each other at an even larger magnitude than if we had them in isolation and so I mean you know anybody I talk to is extremely bullish on where these sectors are going Alberta has phenomenal wind and solar resources we've proven that the cost of doing them in this province are extremely low under the programs that we we saw under the government over the last few years so this is a very optimistic time for all of these, these, these sectors. And back to a comment I made earlier, the, the, the one sort of outlier in that regard is to make sure that Albertans can still be a part of that increase because that 5.5 to 55 megawatts has predominantly come at the small scale. Um, these are systems that are integrated with buildings. And so we've seen a tenfold increase in the ability of people and small businesses and nonprofits and institutions to take advantage of producing their own energy and reducing their utility bills. But those programs that have helped to make that happen are coming to an end and are not going to be renewed by the current government. And that means that while we are going to watch wind and solar you know, increase at substantial pace at the utility scale with major corporations investing in very large systems, we could see Albertans and small businesses get left behind in producing their own energy. And that's a downside that doesn't really make sense. And it's not where the rest of the world is going, frankly, where we're seeing more and more decentralized distributed energy, particularly with solar. Uh, And so that's not something we really want to get left behind on. But at the moment, that's the most likely trajectory forward if we don't figure out how to make sure that these people can also secure some of the benefits that that solar brings when you produce it and provide it to the grid. Thank you. And um, at this point, I would just like to ask you if you have any closing remarks now that you have the listener's attention, what would you want Albertans to know about what you do here at Solar Alberta? So... Solar Alberta is a small nonprofit that, you know, punches above its weight in terms of providing a lot of resources and education for Albertans. We do a number of public free events that people can come out to and check out and learn about the big boom that is happening right now with solar, energy efficiency, other renewables, um, and also electric vehicles. We have a great website that people can go to with a lot of resources there for sort of understanding um, more about the technology, what their options are. They can look there to see Um, what their options are for choosing a solar installer if they're interested in investing in solar themselves. But really right now, what, what we're feeding into 
is just broadening the public understanding around a sector that is going to be a growth sector for years and then decades to come in this province. It's going to increasingly employ more people, pay more in municipal taxes, pay out more in savings and energy savings for, for everybody. And uh, we, we, you know, we want to be here at the front of making sure that Albertans understand those prospects and those opportunities. And that's what, that's what we're up to. And so people should check us out. Yeah. Great, yeah. And uh, again, thank you very much for taking the time and sitting down with me for this chat. Thanks again, Benjamin Tebow from Solar Alberta for clarifying some lingering questions from the Cadbury Electricity Symposium. I also wanted to hear from one of the organizers of the event. Dr. Andrew Leach is an associate professor here at the University of Alberta, and he was able to provide some great insights in our current and future electricity paradigm in the province. Uh, I think Alberta's electricity landscape is probably changing faster than most people imagine in the sense that we're adding new technologies, we're looking at electrification of different parts of our economy, and so I think we're going to see much more integration of renewables, I think we're going to see much more um, use of uh, electric vehicles, electrified industry, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I think that's a, a big a big change in and of itself. Uh, and I think the other thing, side that you're going to see is that electricity is going to start to be seen more and more as the gateway to decarbonizing other parts of our economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about in the next 30 years? <laughs> I'd tell you, but I'd probably be wrong. <laughs> you, you know, I, I think 10 years we have... You know, we have a, we have a much better sense, obviously, in ten than in uh, than in sure. thirty or fifty years. Yeah. But I think if if we are as a as a planet taking sufficient action on on global climate change, you've got to see renewable power and energy storage technologies have taken a, a complete level shift by that point to mm-hmm. be much cheaper than they are today, and also to see um, much more integration of whether it's electrified transport in yes. uh, you know across the system, I think that those are the types of things we we need to see, um, and but for which Canada is kind of a global technology taker in a sense. We're just not yeah. you know we're a small small enough part of the world that what we do is less important in technology development than what China and the EU and India and everyone else mm-hmm. does. And so I think you know I think and I hope that we see that rapid technological progress that's associated with people acting aggressively on this problem. Yeah. And um, you touched on uh, renewable power. And uh, I would like to ask you, what do you think the uh, challenges and opportunities are for uh, renewable power here in Alberta? The, you know, the, it's, um, I guess, typical to say, but I think the big challenge with most of our renewable power supply, whether, if it's wind and solar, is dispatchability or intermittency, right? We know mm-hmm. that and in particular for Alberta, seasonality, right? We know that it's not just enough to say that we have a great solar resource, but we also have very different solar resource in the summer and the winter, yes. and we have a big call on our electricity system in the winter. So, you know, I'll use my own house as an example. Uh, you know, putting solar on my roof was a $15,000, probably all in uh, less than that. Mm-hmm. Well, $15,000 net a government subsidy investment to get me to be net neutral or net zero electricity through to actually disconnect my house from the grid 
would be you know something like 185 Tesla Powerwalls to carry the power from excess generation in the summer to shortage of generation in the winter. Uh, and so you know if you you sort of put that into numbers that you know relate to people, that's like two million dollars worth of storage infrastructure just to deal with the seasonality of that power. So you mentioned electric vehicles and um, other other ways that society is changing. And how do you how do you think that that's going to these market changes? How they are going to affect our electricity grid? Well, I, I think they're they're sort of in a way that the two are related, right? It's not mm-hmm. like these changes happen in a vacuum that's not connected to the electricity grid. It's that our electricity grid enables these changes and these changes affect our electricity grid. So, you know, if if we decided we're going to just, you know, do deal with the electricity build out the way we've always dealt with it, then things like how many people on one block buy an electric vehicle starts to become very important for the uh, stability of our local electric grid and how many people in a region build solar power starts to be really important for the stability of our of our electric grid but if we build out our electric grid keeping in mind that this is what's going to happen build our regulatory systems to make sure that we we can manage the the transition then i don't i I think one enables the other rather than limiting the other and that's all the time we have for this week Thank you to our volunteers for creating this week's episode. Terranforma is entirely volunteer run, and we survive because of generous donations to our host studio, CJSR 88.5 FM. Consider a donation to your local radio station to keep stories like this one on air. I've been your host, Andy Silva. Thanks for tuning in. Catch us next week, right here on Terranforma. Forma.